64, a chess podcast, is now sponsored by Chessable. To learn more about Chessable and about my favorite courses there, go to chessable.com slash 64pod. to 64 a chess podcast i am david coming at you live from copenhagen denmark we're going to continue the conversation from a couple of days ago uh talking about russia ukraine um the invasion of ukraine and its consequences on the chess world joining me today is tarjay svensson he is a journalist for chess 24 he's been giving incredible coverage of these recent events um over 21,000 twitter followers makes him one of the uh most uh, highly cited journalists in chess right now. Tarjay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad we made this work. And uh, you're, you're calling in from Colombia, so... That's right. Nice, uh, nice weather, I hope. Yeah, it is. Compared to Norway? Yeah, absolutely. It's more uh, my type of weather. I'm not like, really like... I'm not really one of the Norwegians that enjoy the, the winter. I'm one of, one of few Norwegians who, who like more like prefer the summer so this is all good well yeah so uh, we're making this work and uh, i mean I'll, i'm holding it down in scandinavia for you until you come back so uh don't worry yeah yeah um yeah so obviously there's a lot to talk about i mean in, in recent news um three grandmasters have defected from the russian chess federation i think it's uh, evgeny romanov is uh now norway's 18th grandmaster uh he sort of worked as a second for Argentari, i think and then there are two other grandmasters who've also, uh, as of yesterday, I think uh, Bikovsky and Novik. Yeah, that's that's right. I'm I'm not really sure about those two grandmasters because they are really like they are not that known. But at least uh, I, I can imagine there there will be a lot of more grandmasters following this because the Russian grandmasters will have huge difficulties taking part in in top events. Uh, it may not matter that much for for the the average grandmaster, but for the top grandmasters who will likely have huge problems uh, making a living uh, when they are not able to get paid, and there could be some travel restrictions as well. We we don't really know how far these sanctions will go and how they will affect yet. But now they there there are bans in place for Russians all over Europe, so they are pretty much forced to, to change federations. Um, and we, as you said about Romanov, that, that was the first one of, I suspect there will be a lot more coming. Now, I guess we should take this back to square one and like, what is your initial take of, um, you know, basically the chess world's response to this uh, Russia stuff? Because I know that like many, many figures in chess, like you and Peter Heine Nielsen, you've made... Uh, you, you you're not shy about your criticism of Fide, for example, on your Twitter, and uh, and and Fide to me, I think, has uh, to some degree been a big surprise in terms of how they've uh, have they responded. Yeah, considering considering how close the ties are um, 
with, with basically the, the the Kremlin regime, how, how close the ties are from the International Chess Federation and and Russia. I was, I think, most of the chess world were really surprised as to as to the action that FIDE took, that they actually were able to cut ties with not only not only to ban the federation, but also to get rid of the sponsors. So it was it was surprising in many ways. And of course, there were some that thought that FIDE should go even further uh, and ban the Russians altogether. But but it is, I think most most people in the chess world felt that this was a huge step. And I don't think anyone would suspect that they were able to take such a step. And perhaps even even more surprising is that Dvorkovic, the, the president uh, who, who has had a position high up in the, along with Putin, and he was the chairman of the World Cup committee for the, for the, for the football World Cup in Russia, he also supported the decision. So that was, that was huge. Uh, it was not something I suspected. And this obviously will have huge, huge uh, consequences for the chess world now, with, considering how, how important Russia is for the chess world. And um, yeah, it, it, it was it was huge. That was uh, so. Yeah. And uh, if we look at the, even the last World Championship match, I think like what all the sponsors were Russian too. It was like a two million dollar prize pool, and it was like what Fasangro and Algorand. Uh, those are both Russian uh, companies, are they not? Absolutely, uh, and and many of these companies are basically owned by the Russian regimes, or at least owned by people very very close to to the regime. Um, so, yeah, Russia is is going to face a tough time with with sanctions, and I think, of course, we can we can talk about um, how far the sanctions should go. There are there are some some federations that banned russians altogether and some uh, like some sport bodies basically said that no russians are allowed uh FIDE took like uh, a different approach like compared to other sport bodies they they said that you can play on the non neutral flag which makes sense as well but i think that the point of the sanctions is to kind of punish the regime and unfortunately that will will uh, will harm innocent russians as well but Chess is just considering what's going on now in Ukraine. It's just something really, really small. It's not really important for right, of course, compared to what's going on. So, but but it's 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 basically all about punishing the regime. Uh, so that's that's what the sanctions are for. So everything matters. Yeah, I, to me, I I just. Uh... I don't know, like, what is going to happen, for example, with with the candidates, for instance. Yeah, that's that's the the big issue. I think I think now, if, if you're going to to jump to to Karyakin, um, um, it's it's. Uh, I think everyone knew uh, his position on all that, but he dig himself a hole uh, and kept getting more into the hole. Uh, and I think most people now would feel that it's not really possible for him to take part in the candidates. I mean, who's uh, who's going to shake his hand, for example? And uh... yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I didn't. I don't really have the impression that that 
the top players would like kind of refuse, but I can imagine, I can imagine like maybe one or two players would refuse. So then FIDE would have a big issue. What, what would, how would they handle that? We had, we had the same issue with, with Poland. Uh, Poland at least, uh, they were supposed to face Russia in the World Cup uh, qualification. For soccer. And they, they already, yeah, exactly. And they already said that, yeah, we are not going to play, uh, play uh, Russia. So FIFA was basically forced to make a decision and they, they ended up throwing out Russia. So I'm, I'm not really a lawyer, so I don't really know like the legal, the legal basis for such a thing, but, but I can imagine that now they are, there is an independent body that the FIDA Ethics and Disciplinary Committee that is going to make that decision. They should be qualified, so I'm guessing they're looking into it, whether, whether he has brought chess, uh, well, he has damaged chess or, or whatever, whatever reasoning they are going to use. But I think most people now expect that he's going to be banned. It, it, I, I will have a really, really hard time seeing him playing in the candidates now. Yeah, I mean, I think most most people will. I mean, it's a it's it's a shame in a way because I mean, Karyakin, um, like the road to his qualification was so impressive for me. Yeah, I was very yeah. impressed to see his form because I we all know he's a fantastic chess player. But um, you know, well, it was Bobby Fischer's birthday yesterday, and you know, sometimes you just don't get your politics from from grandmasters. Uh, maybe we put it that way. Yeah, he has he has had an incredible ability to 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 play at his highest level when it matters the most, as we saw in the in the 2016 World Championship match. And I think this is his fourth candidates, uh, which is really impressive. He's he's only like, I think he's number 18 in the world now, but it's still he's still very, very impressive how he how he managed to get to his highest level for, for these tournaments. But uh, yeah, uh, he will face a really, really hard time in his career now. Uh, I don't see him getting many invitations uh, at all uh, for any tournaments and and yeah candidates I don't see it very likely uh, but Red of course chess we, tour, we, we, right? London yeah, chess classic yeah. Norway chess they've all cut ties yeah, with him yeah yeah and we haven't really gotten any official take from some other tournaments that he could be a candidate for but but it's likely likely I, I can see the outrage in the chess world. Seeing him in one of the top tournaments now, it, I, I mean, I can't, I can't really imagine. It could be, it could always be some tournaments in, in China or, or, or India or something like that. I could, I could see it happening, but it's, it will be, in, in best case for him, it will be very, very limited. Right, and again, like who's, who's, you can imagine people just forfeiting games, kind of like you know Iranians with Israeli players would just forfeit games um, against them. Yeah. And... Yeah. <clears throat> well, at the same time, he hasn't he hasn't really shown been the most ambitious player uh, in the chess world. He he has been criticized for taking all those making all those short draws um, and not really showing this fighting spirit. Like of course, like he's he has an incredible ability to to play the high level in in some of these events like when he, when he wants to but but he but he's 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 been, become kind of like a boring player so i think many many people feel like he won't really be missed especially not with his political political views and all that i i don't think it's like it's a huge loss for for the chess world now can i ask you do you have a sense of 
how, for example, like with the Olympiad, I know that the Olympiad is now going to be in uh, in India. And I was watching yeah. Nakamura's stream, and he said that these Olympiads cost about $10 million to put on. So yeah. clearly, I mean, if you think about the World Cup and all these events like uh, candidates tournaments that are happening in Russia, I mean, constantly at the, the highest level of chess, like, do you have a sense of, of who is going to step in now in the chess world, which country or which federation to really, you know, maybe is it America? Is it India? Like, who's who's going to who's going to fulfill that um, that void in the short term? Because it is a lot of, of capital. Yeah, yeah, well, Russia have kind of had a tradition for for being the leading nation for for 100 years or so. Uh, so so it's really it, that doesn't happen that that there is some country that is going to to replace Russia like overnight. But of course India is is huge. India is huge in terms of of, of players um in terms of like like the prodigies they have and and people and and players that are going to to get to the top uh, potential like superstars uh they have a, they have a huge potential but but they haven't really they haven't really been been a nation that is organizing a lot of top tournaments um uh but but it could be now if they're going to organize the chess olympia that would be that would be huge that could be it could be the first step uh, to see them kind of taking that kind of position, and of course you have the the U.S. Chess Federation with the with Rexic Field, uh, St. Louis. Uh, now they got Levan Arunyan, and I guess we we can expect that there will be more players transferring to to U.S. as well. So right. yeah, in, but but India clearly, India is 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 one potential candidate that uh, it, it will it will be very exciting to see. To see uh, the chess Olympiad hosted in India because it, it's about time we have, we have seen we have seen so many now uh, the last Olympiads have all been in in Eastern Eastern Europe uh, kind of like regimes that are known for for uh, human rights violations and and things like that that we would prefer to see to see uh, it organized in 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 Asia that's that, that was about time. Yeah, I think also when you look at uh, Erigaisi and uh, Pragnananda, these kind of talents that are uh, really showing that they're about to take this like next step, like you know, post-pandemic. I think it's it's a it really feels like a, a very natural place for the Olympia to take place. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was in I was in India in the twenty thirteen for twenty thirteen World Championship match, and I saw the incredible. The incredible support uh, that chess had, and the incredible interest. Uh, much thanks to to Rishi Anand, and and I think I I also saw that during the the Champions Chess Tour, uh, how much support Pragnanda actually had, uh, and uh, the huge attention that he drew when he when he beat uh, Magnus Carlsen. Right. Uh, so I think it's I mean it's a country with. More than a billion people, uh, and and I think uh, you have you have like cricket is is still is still much much bigger, but 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 chess is chess is uh, is uh, there there is a huge chess interest there. I mean, if it even gets sure. to like ten percent the popularity of of cricket, I mean, you're looking at like a completely different game worldwide. Ab absolutely, uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, that that would be huge. Of course, we have to we have to see if there will be other bits. It's it's not really confirmed that India is hosting it, but but I'd be surprised if there is anyone 
anyone able to to compete with with the Indian bit? Uh, yeah. Right. Da na 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 da na 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 na. Welcome to sixty four a chess commercial. I am David coming at you live from Copenhagen once again, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my journey with Chessable. You see, when I was three years old, I learned how to play chess. And then I didn't play for like 15 years until I started college. Um, I'd been watching streams of chess in my last year of high school, got interested again, and I uh, decided to take it seriously at the end of my freshman year of college. And one of the first things I did actually was, uh, because I was watching so many John Bartholomew videos, was I uh, I downloaded uh, a course from Chessable, a free course from Chessable, and I learned, uh, I don't even remember what opening it was. But I remember that technology made a big uh, impression on me. And four years later, Chessable is sponsoring 64 Chess Podcast, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, some of my favorite courses, I can tell you, especially over the pandemic, uh, have been uh, John Bartholomew's Scandinavian Defense. I think it's a very affordable course. It really taught me kind of how to think about chess on a different level. I, I basically online went from 1300 to like 1600 in a matter of months just from learning that course alone. Lately, I've been going through Lifetime Repertoire's Karo Khan. I've been doing that on and off for the last two years because there's just so much content, all for the price of what I pay for, like, one chess lesson. Uh, and I recently completed uh, The King's Indian Simplified by uh, Grandmaster Alex Kolovich. And if you think that uh, you can learn these courses to outbook me, not so fast, because on Chessable, you can actually create your own repertoires. And I do this very frequently to learn lines of openings that I'm creating in my own opening laboratory. All in all, the technology behind Chessable is incredible. It's only getting better and better. There's always new features such as Chessable Classroom that are being introduced. So stay tuned to see what's up with Chessable in the next few months and years. And I'm really happy to be part of the Chessable family. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can check out chessable.com 64pod. And uh, I'll be sure to do some giveaways with them in the future. And now, back to the show. Another thing I wanted to ask, uh, you know, obviously you're very, very connected in the uh, in the chess world. Were you uh, surprised to see this kind of very public declarations from, you know, these figures like Nepomniachtchi, Dubov, Kostenyuk, uh, Esipenko, for example, against the war? Yeah, I I didn't really expect that because uh, because um, I never we have we have seen. We have seen chess tournaments hosted in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, the Emirates, uh, all kinds of, of countries with a bad reputation. And there was hardly any discussion about, about these things uh, responsible for, for horrible human rights violations. And, and of course, uh, Russia also is this, the same issue. Uh, but so, so I didn't really expect expect uh this to happen like the chess world hasn't known to be be talking about these things at all uh and we all also know like what consequences russians face if they speak up against the regime you have seen journalists being killed and and uh imprisoned and all that um so that was a surprising of course it was a, it's a really positive surprise that i actually dare that uh, it was and, and it was it was pretty it was pretty it, it was pretty like among all the top players they spoke up against it some were of course they were a little bit careful about it but they made their view clear that they're against this 
Right. So I think I think that was that was something that the Chessville praised and deservedly, and they they deserve a lot of praise for for speaking up against it. Uh, yeah, the, the question now is whether they will face any that will face any consequences. And and actually, it's not only it's not only the players itself, but as far as I know, most of the people from working for the Russian Chess Federation also supported this. This this was shared by the Russian Chess Federation at the same time as you have uh, people who are very very close to the regime. They are part of the board of the management of the Russian Chess Federation. So that was that is that is that is quite something. Uh, very surprising. Yeah, it, it is very surprising. I didn't really expect that at all. Yeah, no, there are just um, there are a couple of other things I wanted to ask you. For one, so I'm a longtime Hikaru uh, Nakamura stream watcher, and I know that you've been blocked by him for a few years. But this um, this Karyakin stuff uh, reunited you guys after after many many months. So I mean, what what's what's that been like? You know, he's really bringing the chess ball yeah, together. I... It was it was weird because I've always had a very good relationship with Nakamura. I met him several times, interviewed him, and we bought we bought drinks for each other in in Gibraltar, and and it was all good. And then I and he was following me, uh, and then at some point he had blocked me. So I was like, what? Uh, and of course, there are sometimes I'm I'm critical when. When these top players make these short draws or or anything like that, and I think I I, I I'm I, it's not really clear exactly what uh, made him block me, but but uh, but he's he's a little bit sensitive sometimes, uh, and then apparently there was someone uh, showing him my tweets about uh, Karyakin and which. Made him unblock me, which was really cool. No, he he would show your tweets um, on the on like on Chess Twenty Four articles and stuff like that. But yeah, and then he would have you blocked. Yeah. So it's just yeah, very, yeah. very interesting. Um, I think you're definitely yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was a, yeah. He's but he's he's a general nice guy, but he's he has he has his issues and he's he's a little bit sensitive. But maybe we are in maybe we are on good terms again now. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this is everyone. If the chess world can come together behind something, I mean, better than nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. That was that was basically basically what he said on his stream as well. I accidentally just coincidentally logged on his stream and I saw my name on the on the screen, which was <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, you've also been, you know, you mentioned the quick draws thing as well, and I mean, Nakamura, you know, like I'm a Bicky Karu fan for many years, but I think we all yeah. know like him yeah. and Wesley So have been particularly guilty of, yeah. of this. Uh, so um, I, there's a lot of discourse around how to fix this quick draw problem. And I was wondering if you had any any ideas um, about like how, how like pr I guess how can classical chess uh, get more fighting spirit? I know Chess 24 has this fighting chess index that they're trying to implement this year into the Meltwater tour. From uh, GM Smurden, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was just wondering what your yeah. thoughts were. Yeah, I think that I think that's the way to go. I think they have to give more incentives to to go for a win. Um, there are people saying that as long as the as long as the rules allow it, you can't really blame the players for for making these short draws. But because they 
they ultimately depend on it's like it's like they 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 uh, they care like it's it's a, a little bit of selfishness they they care about themselves first of all they, they and sometimes they don't really care about but the audience and who they are playing for um which which is one way is understandable but as a chess fan we, we want these players to actually want to play want to be there uh and seeing seeing that they make these short draws and and it's pretty clear that they just want to get this over with and and get their paycheck uh but but what they're doing now in the in the, in the meltwater champions chess tour is i think that's the way to go and and david smurden's fighting index is, is a really really cool thing maybe that's something that also organizers can have a look a look at whenever they invite players um uh, the easy thing is just for organizer not to invite players who do this repeatedly i think that's that's the sim simple way to solve this um and of course again great incentives uh prices for wins like you base the price basically on how many wins you have uh or or yeah use the fighting in a basis three points for a win it, it doesn't really change them it doesn't really matter that much for their standings in the end but it could matter in individual games like perhaps later in the in the tournament when and maybe you need three points in order to to make it uh to, to qualify or to, to get a price i think all of those things together um they have an impact and and we saw that in the last tournament right where it, it wasn't it wasn't the only reason because we had a really really big build but i think it contributed i think it, it had an impact on on the amount of amount of uh, decisive and amount of, of fighting games so yeah all of all of these things together matters uh, but at the same time, it, it's like these players are are so good. So in in classical chess, um, in classical chess, it, it's really really hard to to win games when you play when both players play perfect chess. So while it it while it can make a difference, uh, we have to remember that but that these players are just so strong and and sometimes draw is like a normal result. Yeah, and I think um, GM uh, Noel Studer, he just published an article about like the three types of Grandmaster draws and kind of explained like the difference between a 14-move Berlin draw and like a 20-move idea yeah. kind of draw. And I, that was very informative for me too because I think sometimes I kind of use yeah, those interchangeably. Like, yeah, like the problem isn't draws in general. Uh, the problem is the short draws. Uh, there is a, is a clear difference between them. When you see this... These repetitions that we have seen millions of times times before, uh, when yeah, that's that's disappointing for for us fans. Right. Were you surprised when uh, Nakamura won the FIDE Grand Prix? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think anyone. I, I don't think many expected him to do that well. Like, of course, he's he's still very active uh, playing. Um, but being out of basically not playing any over the board games in in like two years and to go and win win a tournament like that that's that's really really impressive and it shows his 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 talent and and perhaps and me included he underestimated how active and how much chess he has been playing 
And for all we know, maybe he has actually been studying and, and really working hard outside of, of the streaming and, and preparing for this tournament. And it's really, really cool to see because he's, he's a very, very popular player. He's, he's a fun player to watch when he, when he uh, is at the level that we saw. And it, it would be also really, really cool to see him in the candidates. I'm like, that's uh, what I think he, that would be yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or even to win the candidates I, would be nuts. Although I'm I'm a little bit uncertain about how like he doesn't really seem to care that much. He's not really because he has stated that he's he he wants to focus on like blitz and rapid uh, tournaments and and streaming. He's he considers himself more like a professional streamer now than a chess player. But I can imagine that it must have motivated him uh, to prove to people. Uh, that he's he's still up there, and the fact that he can play, uh, uh, but but it would it would be shocking to see him go any further than making it to the candidates. But but just getting it to the candidates, when many many people had written him off, it it would be I think that would be kind of like Nakamura would feel that as a victory and like right. show that he, he's still he can still move the pieces. I mean, for for the candidates, if you're a professional streamer and you have to play the candidates, that's something that people spend months preparing for with seconds. I mean, you yeah. can't imagine yeah. that you'll really be able to be at the same standard as others. I mean, people can really no. like, prepare him like crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I I would have a hard time seeing him like doing very well in the candidate, but but who knows? He's. It's not that many years ago since he was like number two in the world. Right. Uh, it's like. Six, 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 seven years. 2014, 2015. He was, he was top. He was number two and and consistently number like top five in the world. And then something happened and he, and he dropped. But but now he's he's back at it. But it would be really really exciting to see him in in Berlin if he can can follow up on uh, on uh, the, the first Grand Prix tournament. Although his his group is extremely unfortunate, like being with Levon because uh, yeah. yeah 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 that that was surprising. I, I'm not really familiar with the rules, but I saw that that many people pointed out that, that that's that's there's something something out about about the rules there. Because you get like a certain amount of points for winning the group, and then I think if you don't win the group, yeah. you don't get any points. So basically, like Levon, yeah. I think the difference between him and Levon is like three points, but winning the group is four points. So there's some. Yeah, way exactly. that it could, yeah so i don't know the specifics but um yeah and then he, the everyone else in his group all it, it just looks like a tough group like oparin also in the group so he basically i think if he wins the group he's in good shape to make the candidates um although again yeah. you know with uh, maybe a free spot without karyakin maybe you could imagine just having each of the three grand prix leg winners entering the candidates instead yeah. of some wild card i would prefer that personally um but who yeah. knows yeah, but there are there are many other candidates for a wild card as well. And of course, especially if yeah, and and if um, Kalyakin gets kicked out, then there is there is an available spot uh, that could go to that could go to Arunion actually. Right, Arunion would that would be make the, sense. The, the, yeah, with, with the top of the list, considering that he's he's been active um, uh, and Ding Ding Liren hasn't. Quite, quite selfishly, I would just like to see like a Carlson Nakamura final. I don't think would end well for for Nakamura if you consider the lifetime score. No. But um, no. you know, thinking about how we don't have Russian sponsors right now, I think uh, the amount you know, because I remember I've talked about this on the podcast before. But when Karana was uh, the world chess candidate, 
um to like when he was a challenger i should say um no one really cared in america at all yeah and i think yeah. post chess boom like having like a professional streamer i mean the amount of headlines also you know this like sauron rivalry which I'm, i know you're you know you're very familiar with the lore there but uh i just think that there's so many storylines that it would just be an electric match uh um yeah yeah, I, I think Nakamura is like he's bigger than than Karana. Like considering the the fan base he has, uh, it's it's really impressive. It's really impressive, um, impressive what he has done. Um, and I can again imagine like, yeah, we, we we can dream about it. I I don't see it very likely, but but we yeah. could we could dream about it because this this has been like for for the fans, it would be really cool. I think it would be it would be a tough tough one for Nakamura, uh, and he knows it because. He has he has a lot of respect for for Magnus, um, but but it would be a it would be a fun match uh, to watch for sure. Right. Yes. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk to you about is just uh, you know you, you're obviously a chess journalist. You've worked for Chess Twenty Four. Um, I think ICC uh, Day Blooded. Um, so how um, how did you get started as a chess journalist? Uh, well, where did it start? Well, I guess. Uh, I've always I always like to write. I, I, I've always been a huge uh, chess fan. I guess I guess it started when I was uh, I was attending um, a chess school uh, by Simon Augustine. Uh, the, the same basically the same chess school that Magnus Carlsen, Jon Ludwig Hammer, Arjen Tari, and a lot of a lot of Norwegian talents attended. I was I was in the first um, I was the first year and. I was I'm pretty good with with computers. I was actually the only one one doing that. So I was updating the website back in the late nineties. Uh, so I was I always been writing. So I was updating the the website for the for the class, and I started writing about chess. And a few years later, I got my own website, um, and I also did some updating. It was it it didn't it it only lasted for a few years, but then. Of course, when Magnus made huge progress, I started I started my own website, um, which um, became the biggest chess site in Norway. And and I was also been interested in in journalism. Um, now I work as a journalist, uh, and I follow the news basically all the time. And I started traveling around to tournaments, which I did both as a fan and in order to to cover some of the events because there was. Like chess journalism was something that was always lacking, but it's become it's become a lot better in the last few years. But I, I did the um, I did the chess Norwegian chess websites a, a little bit of it in in English, but mostly in Norwegian. I did that for a few years until 2019, and then at some point I was <clears throat> contacted by Chess24, and yeah, that was in 2020. So yeah, I've been um, doing some articles for uh, writing a little bit for for chess 24 like now especially now with what's going on trying to trying to to cover a little bit about what's going on in chess world it's it's missed because there isn't there isn't that much coverage uh from inside the, the chess chess community basically um we, we need more of that i think chess 24 has been the leading one um covering what's going on you have you have some from chess.com and that's pretty much it. There is only there are only two sites, uh, except that the mainstream media, two two chess sites that are, are covering what's going on. And you have, of course, that you have the new in chess that is doing a little bit about it. But but I I like writing about it because yeah I I follow the I follow the Norwegian 
uh, Norwegian uh, newspapers, they fact that that chess is pretty big in Norway. So whenever Magnus does something and whenever something is connected to Magnus, they cover it. So um, I, uh, I want to share that with the chess world. Right. And I mean, Chess 24, of course, has is connected to Magnus as well, as you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and to the sponsor of the podcast, Chessable, check out uh, chessable.com slash 64 podcast. Uh, you know, we are part of the Play Magnus group family, so you can check that out. That was the smoothest sponsorship transition I've ever done, um, by the way. Um, but uh, you can check us out at uh, chessable.com slash 64 podcast. Uh, no, it's chessable.com slash 64 pod for uh, my course recommendations, and you can check those out. Um, yeah, that I, yeah, that was just a super smooth transition. I have to just apl- applaud myself. I hope you guys. <laughs> um, I have two more questions for you. Um, yeah. First of all, what's what's your favorite story that you've ever covered in the chess world? My favorite story in the chess world. Um, it's uh, it's a difficult one. There have been there have been a few. There have been a few. I, I have to. I I can I can say. I, I you can pick multiple. Like to, to point to, Yeah, I, I'm going to pick two. Like, I can pick one recent one. The the one that I wrote about the Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainian chess players who are kind of like caught in a war zone at the moment. The Ukrainian chess grandmasters. It's it's basically something very very different from from what I covered before. Uh, I actually spoke to them all, and they all shared they all shared their stories and. And pictures all down I like it's something that i would never imagine that i would ever write about it's it's it's, it's a difficult thing but it's also so important um to share about what they're going through now right that was that was one that i uh, i don't know if it's right to say but but it's one that i like to 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 cover well i think it was very important uh, I, I mean i shared that with family and, and friends like i thought that was a like a phenomenal piece of just journalism like a very uh, it's very tragic to see people who are, you know, who people, some people who just played for the, you know, in the, the, what is the, the team championship, European team championship. And now they have yeah, guns like exactly. defending their country. I mean, that is just in a span of months. I mean, that is just kind of surreal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one. Uh, and I, have, I also have to do some promotion for just 24. We have, we have been covering a lot. We have been the leading one covering what's going on there have been disappointingly little coverage from the other other chess media uh, I agree. but it but it deserves deserves to be to be discussed because as, as we talked about earlier it could have enormous consequences for the chess world uh, and there's definitely more coming but just in the beginning uh, we don't really know how this is going to end uh, and i and i could mention one other story that i covered covered back in I think it was 2014, also for Shas 24, about about uh, Susan Polgar and Nashi Short uh, uh, fighting. Um, uh, basically, Susan Polgar made a really, really dubious claim about um, a simultaneous exhibition. She said she played 1,000 people in a simul uh, and finished that in, I don't know how many hours, 10 hours or something. She keeps making these very highly dubious claims, and not just short called her out for it. Um, that was uh, pretty, also a pretty cool story. It's it's available on Shastrin Four. I think you'll have to Google not just short season Polgar. Uh, that was also one that I really covered. I really like to cover. 
I've never heard of this. I mean, this 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 yeah. is the first thing I'm going to be reading when I like when we finish this interview. Yeah, it's it's a fun story because the, the picture is also is also pretty hilarious. Uh, and I I spoke to I spoke to both players and I did some some research on them. That so yeah, it's it's a fun story that can be can it, it's still it's still um, uh, newsworthy. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to yeah. ask you, obviously you you have a very unique perspective, yeah, very well connected, and you know you've been doing this for many years. Um, your take on the chess world today? What what do you think is missing from the chess world more than anything else right now? Um, good question. I could, I, <laughs> it's it's a difficult question. Like, but from my perspective. Um, from my perspective as a journalist, and I'm not the only one saying it, but I would like to see more critical, uh, critical coverage of like basically journalism about things that happen in the chess world, because it's, it's, there are just so many things I could mention one that is, that who keeps pointing it out on, on Twitter is Peter Henry Nielsen. Uh, he, he keeps keeps talking about this and he's I think he's also one that thinks that that there are so many problematic stuff that are going on like especially now that he saw with the Russian sponsors and uh, uh, the different the 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 people connected to to chess uh, yeah basically the sponsorship um, that now looks that is going to be be removed um, I think that's one thing. I, I would like to see more critical coverage, chess journalism in the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Peter Heine Nielsen definitely has been one of the most vocal critics of FIDE um, yeah. like on, yeah. on Twitter. So uh, yeah. I, I yeah. do agree. It is nice. Uh, I, it seems like, like, yeah, yeah, it seems like the, the chess hall is kind of, we, we have low standards because we have, we have been used to this situation for so many years. Uh, it was, we have to say it was worse before uh, with the previous leadership. There have been improvements, but the question is, should the chess world be, be happy with, 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 this, with this situation and, and being so closely connected to the chess world? And I think uh, media is very, very important uh, in this uh, regard. Uh, there is no reason why, why there can't be critical chess journalism in the chess world as well. And, I'm hoping uh, to at least contribute a little bit to that, even though there is, it's just, uh, there, there is so much more that can be done. But it's, all, it's also hard when you don't really have a serious competitor in that market either. That's, that's true. Uh, maybe, yeah, it's the biggest problem is funding, of course. Right. But, but I think, I think, I think there is, there is a potential, there is a market market for, for, for that. And I think, yeah. There is a lot of people caring about it, and and uh, this just chess world is big. The chess world is is really big, and and uh, yeah, there is uh, there is potential. Absolutely. Now, uh, Tarjay, where can uh, where can my listeners find you on uh, on on social media? Uh, well, I hope I hope most people are aware. Uh, that was kind of a sarcastic uh, but, question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm on I'm, I'm JS. I think I think I hope you you share my my Twitter account. Tariai. I've been calling Tariai you Tariai JS. 
yeah yeah it's it's actually t-a-r-y-a-y that's yeah. how you would pronounce it Tariai. i mean i've been in copenhagen for six yeah. months i really should i should know that you know <laughs> like, you are uh, you're not the only one it's it's a tricky name and even even norwegians norwegians had uh, problems with it so that's i i uh, i forgive you yeah well, for, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for your forgiveness. So, follow Tariai JS on uh, on Twitter. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Hope you learned something. Uh, hope you enjoyed. If you liked the vid- if you liked the episode, you can uh, leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Chessable for sponsoring the podcast. As always, thanks to AimChess for sponsoring the podcast. You can use code David thirty to get thirty percent off your first month with AimChess. Guess by extension, thank you Magnus for sponsoring me. Uh, we love you, Magnus. Um, yeah, that's all we have for this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Tariai, thanks for coming and uh, really appreciate it. Glad we made it work out. And uh, yeah, take it easy. One thing I forgot to add during the podcast that I just want to say, uh, I want to thank my platinum patron, Paul Harbright, uh, for supporting the podcast. Again, if you uh, are new to the show and you want to support the show financially, check out patreon.com slash 64 podcast. Uh, and yeah, let's keep it rolling. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. Really appreciate it.